Our scripture reading for today is taken from 1 Peter chapter 3, verses 18 through 22. And our focus and attention will be on the verses that deal with the sacrament of holy baptism. For Christ also suffered once for sins, the just for the unjust, that he might bring us to God, being put to death in the flesh, but made alive by the Spirit, by whom also he went and preached to the spirits in prison who formerly were disobedient, when once the divine long-suffering waited in the days of Noah while the ark was being prepared, in which a few, that is, eight souls, were saved through water. There's also an antitype which now saves us, baptism, not the removal of the filth of the flesh, but the answer of a good conscience toward God through the resurrection of Jesus Christ, who has gone into heaven and is at the right hand of God, angels and authorities and powers having been made subject to him. These are your words, Heavenly Father. They are your truth. We pray that you would strengthen our faith through them. Amen. Before you went to school as a little child, maybe age four or five, before that time, your parents made sure that you knew you weren't a dog or a cat or a chair. They made sure that you knew and understood that you were a person, a human being, that you were different than all of those other either creatures or objects. Now, they maybe didn't have a particular day when they sat you down and said, by the way, you are a human being. But they uh, made sure that you knew and understood your humanness, if you will. Prior to them teaching you that, or prior to you acquiring that knowledge and information about yourself, that didn't make you a non-human. You were still a person. But your intellect finally caught up with understanding that and being able to verbalize that and express it. And you've hopefully gotten better about being able to express that throughout your life as well. The day I was born, I was baptized because there had been some medical problems during my mom's pregnancy with me, and the doctor thought for sure I was going to die. And um, so from that moment on, I was baptized that day, and from that moment on, for a number of years, I probably couldn't have explained to you what it meant that I was a Christian or even that I'd been baptized. But a time finally came in my life when my intellect, if you will, caught up with my understanding of what had happened so that I could now verbalize that and explain that to people. Prior to that time in my life, which was probably four or five again, didn't mean that I wasn't a Christian. I was just now finally able to understand it with my intellect and express it as well. The Bible speaks about baptism in some pretty amazing ways. Sometimes we're puzzled by it because it, it just doesn't, it seems like something that maybe happened long ago and it seemed like such an insignificant event. But the Bible, when it describes it, is really fascinating. I would encourage you to just pull out all the Bible passages about baptism, if you have any questions about it, and just read through them and see the power that God talks about. I'll just read you a few of them. It talks about that when you've been baptized, you've been clothed with Christ. That means that that uh, our sinfulness, as if it was like a garment, is no longer on us. God has now covered us 
with the perfect holy righteousness of Christ, the perfect record before God. That's why we'll get led into heaven someday because of this perfect white robe that the Bible frequently speaks about. We're talk, it talks about that when you get baptized, you receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. That means faith, to trust in Christ as your Savior. Constantly you'll see passages that say you receive the forgiveness of sins through your baptism. That it actually comes to you through the water and the word when, the, when you are baptized. St. Paul calls it a washing of regeneration. That means to go from being spiritually dead to spiritually alive, loving Christ, loving God and the things of his kingdom. The washing of regeneration and renewal by the Holy Spirit. He goes on to say we've been cleansed, we've been holy, made holy through the washing with water through the word. So this is just the type of language that God in scripture uses to describe something that we sometimes maybe almost take for granted or think it's maybe irrelevant or are tempted to think it really had no great consequences. In the text in front of us, what does Peter say about it? He says, baptism now saves us. That means it takes us to heaven. It saves us. He says, it gives us the pledge of a good conscience toward God. Now, I, I know what my conscience is like about all my sins and weaknesses and things that I've done wrong that would make me terrified about dying someday and what's going to happen to me. But through baptism, Paul is saying that we now have and can have a pledge of a good conscience toward God because God is now going to see us through Christ and through the white robe of righteousness that he has given us in the gift of baptism. And so even someone as wicked as I am can be positive that someday God will let me into heaven. And the same, the same wonderful promise is for you as well. So baptism isn't just merely some outward act or some little symbolic thing that takes place. But God has attached a tremendous power to it that, that literally takes us to the cross and applies what happened on the cross to our lives very directly and down into our souls. He uses here in the text the picture of the ark. And the ark was, the, the water lifted the ark so that the people inside of it, the eight souls inside of it, could be spared. Their lives could be spared. And he says that is actually a, uh, he calls it a, 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 a corresponding counterpart is a good translation for the word a corresponding counterpart to what happened there is what happens to us in our baptism a number of years ago when I'd started teaching here at Bethany a student came to me who I believe was 19 years old professed to be a Christian but had never yet been baptized and I said why haven't you gotten baptized yet and she said I don't know I don't, I don't think it's necessary I have faith and I said, it's not necessary. And I said, doesn't your pastor ever teach you or talk to you about it? She says, I don't think I've ever heard a sermon on it in my whole life. I said, there are probably close to 100 Bible passages that deal with baptism. Jesus lovingly commands us to be baptized because of all the great benefits that come to us through this sacrament. And your pastor never has talked to you about it? He's never urged you or encouraged you to be baptized? She said, I, I just don't get the point of it. I don't, I don't understand why it's such a big deal. And it made me think of Luther's famous statement that sometimes we're tempted to look at baptism the way a cow stares at a barn door. That it's just like kind of irrelevant. So the problem that we may have at times with understanding baptism is not what scripture says. It's the fact that we look at it with our logic and with our reason 
rather than with the eyes of faith and what God in his word actually tells us about this sacred washing. St. Paul said this to the Corinthians, God chose the lowly things of the world, the despised things. Can you think of a little bit of water any more than that? The lowly things of the world and the despised things to nullify the things that are so that no man may boast before him. I'm a great example of that. The first day that I was born, within minutes of my birth, I was baptized and made a Christian. I had nothing to do with it. Absolutely nothing to do with it. I can't boast about being a Christian. The faith that God worked in my heart there to trust in Christ, and it's still alive in my heart, is all by his doing. Not only to start it, but to keep it going. Right on through my life. All the way till I go to heaven someday. And that's the way it is for believers. God uses these simple, lowly things that the world laughs at and thinks are irrelevant, and he uses stuff like this to keep us in our faith and ultimately take us to heaven. What an amazing thing our baptism really is. Luther says, I'll read this. He says, if there were a doctor who had the skill so that people wouldn't die, and if they died that they would come, soon come back to life and then live forever, how the world would make money shower and rain down upon them so that no one could come close to him because of his wealth. But now, here in baptism, everyone receives such a treasure without price. And such a medicine is brought to his door that slays death and keeps all people alive. I have an acquaintance who has a son who, when that son was in college, walked away from the family, despite loving, wonderful parents, just decided to walk away and disown the family. And to this day, has been living now for decades apart from the family. The mom and dad still love him to death. They still have him in, this, in their will. They just want to be his parents. They're looking forward to hopefully he'll come home someday, which may or may not ever happen. He has just squandered being their child and ran off and gotten into a life of hedonism and drugs and everything else. It's just a sad situation. But it hasn't changed the heart of his parents. It hasn't changed their desire to have him be their child. We may be tempted sometimes to walk away from God in our lives and to kind of shut him out and just pretend we're not his children and run off into the world. But it doesn't change the heart of the God who baptized you. It doesn't change the heart of the God that claimed you through that water to be his child. He still desires that we belong to him. And he has put us in his will for life everlasting to inherit the very mansions of heaven that our Savior came to win for us. And he waits with open arms to see the penitent sinners come back and to once again re-treasure this baptismal, this baptismal connection that our God has to us. Someday in heaven, I think we're going to have a much different appreciation for what happened the day we were baptized. May God even now give us hearts of faith to cherish this wonderful act in our lives. Amen. Please rise for prayer. This past week, um, Lee, Lee Logging, we had a prayer for him a couple weeks ago in chapel. Lee Logging, the father of Professor John Logging, um, passed away this week. We'd like to offer a prayer for the family. Lord God, our Heavenly Father, we come before you on behalf of John and his family. We pray that you would be with them during these very difficult days of mourning. We thank you for the many blessings that you showered down into his life and the lives of his family through the gift of your servant, Lee. 
We thank you for giving him such a bold confession of his faith in his Savior. Be with his family members now and comfort them and give them hearts of faith to look forward to the blessed reunion of all of your saints in the mansions above. We pray it all in Christ's saving name. Amen. Now may the triune God, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit bless and preserve you. Go in his peace. Amen. <laughs>